I remember when I uh, lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, became familiar with the, the phrase to, to flip something. And uh, in that day, it was, it was in the 90s, and it was sort of a boom town in, in Charlotte there. Like, you know, they were adding 2,000 students a year to the school system, and so, you know, everything was skyrocketing. And, and the big thing then was to, to buy a house and just keep it for a year and then sell it. You didn't have to do anything to it because the market was skyrocketing so fast you would flip it and make um, a nice profit on it. Um, you, uh, you might hear that as well if you're uh, um, selling drugs on the street. It's also used there as a slang um, term to just uh, get the drugs from whoever is the provider and then you take it on the street and you, you flip it. Now, in, in Boston, uh, they started to use that phrase to, to, to flip the hood. And, and it's, it's meant in a totally different way, well, a similar way, but in a very different way of, of trying to combat violence in the, the neighborhood. There's, a, there's just a, a big movement there to, to flip the hood. And, and it's not just to stop the violence in the neighborhoods. That's just halfway. It's, it's to move from violence to love. It's not just to make the neighborhood a safe place, but to make the neighborhood a place of abundance and, and life, to, to flip it. There's a, a Malcolm Gladwell writes, uh, wrote a book a number of years ago called The Tipping Point. And it was an interesting study about how things flip, about how they, they, they move from just being sold locally to all of a sudden exponentially exploding on the scene. One of the examples was wallaby shoes. If I still had my pair, I would have worn them um, today, but uh, I wore them out. In the, the 90s, they just started with a few folks in New York, and the next thing you know, it was a, a national um, fad, it hit a tipping point. It, it flipped at a certain point. And, and his work says that it takes about 16%. You, you get 16% buy-in, and then all of a sudden, things will, will flip and take off. That's how you make things move into, into a fad. But what we'll look at today as we uh, continue to explore and, and finish up with the idea of God's kingdom coming it is that the church starts living out the way of the kingdom. As the, the, the church starts, starts living out the way of God's kingdom, then that will begin to flip families. That will flip streets. That will flip workplaces. That will flip neighborhoods. That will flip a city. Dream of the city 
of what we're going to look at today through the scriptures of, of how God's kingdom begins and starts within us and then spreads to those around us. A little different for those that were here with at the beginning of the service when Eileen was talking about her bubbles coming together, a picture she had of the kingdom of each one being a little bubble and then as we pursue the kingdom we come together and that was more little pyramids or triangles um, uh, falling uh, upon us. Uh, But our first passage is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. And and we'll see Jesus inviting a few ordinary fishermen um, uh, to come and join with him in pursuing God's kingdom uh, together. It's found on page 785 of your pew Bible, or you can uh, follow along on the screen. Uh, Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we ask that uh, you would speak to us as we look at your word. Um, Help us hear from you uh, ways, Lord, that you are calling us to be uh, a part of your kingdom. Uh, Start with us and empower us uh, to spread to others, to flip us our neighborhoods, our homes, our communities, our city, our world, for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 18. Um, Hear the word of the Lord. And he, Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Him. Uh, If they're going to flip anything, then it starts with you and me. I mean, the the, the first one that has to be flipped is me, and it's you, it's us, it's those who say we are following Jesus. I mean, in a way, to, to flip it is just another way to talk about repentance. 
And that we, we flip from going our way, from living according to the kingdom of me, to then turning to the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is doing here with these just ordinary fishermen who are out doing their thing, Jesus comes to them and says, now I need you to come follow me. And what, is, what are we told? But that they leave everything and follow him. That, that, that everything that they put behind them so that they can make Jesus their king. Yeah, this, this week I, I talked with uh, Amir and, and Amari who are going to be baptized here in a little bit. And, and we talked about you know that they're going to say Jesus is Lord. And they looked at me like, you know, what is Lord? You know, how often do you even use that word these days? So we talked about it. Yeah, it's, well, it means it's somebody that, that you do what they say. You know, who are the, the people in your life that you, you do what they say? At least in theory. And uh, teachers, you know, principal, mom and dad, your boss. They can at least relate to that one. Yeah, that's, that's what is happening with these disciples. They're, they're saying to Jesus, okay, you're the one that I'm going to obey now. Uh, you're going to be my king. And that has to be the first step in any kind of work of seeking to flip a city. To flip a community. To flip a marriage. It starts with you. Are you willing to be flipped by Jesus? To tip from yourself to him? And it's interesting that he calls them in twos. He calls them together. Hey, I need you, you need to do this together. It's not something that, that we do sort of on our own, just by our own willpower of saying, okay, I'm now going to do everything that Jesus tells me to do. That's hard because there are so many other forces within us and outside of us and within us. You remember a couple weeks ago, um, Kathy Lowe's, an elder, stood up in the front of the service. Uh, maybe some of you don't because it takes you all a while to get in here. But so uh, I'm going to tell you what she said if you don't uh, remember or weren't here. And uh, she um, gave me permission to, to share this. But she got up and said, it was the week that we'd just gone through the obey week. We obey the king. That's part of living into the kingdom. And part of bringing the kingdom is that we obey. And she shared, right, quite honestly, um, that there was a way that she wasn't obeying the king. Particularly in a, a word that she felt the Lord had been leading her to, to release some of her work hours. And that she wasn't doing that. And she had the guts to get up here and tell us that that was the case and that that had continued to weigh on her as she reflected on obeying. And what she did then was ask us. She, you know, she asked all you know, 350 of us to help her do that, to obey the king. She said, now I've sort of let you in on that and now inviting you to participate with me to be, be sure that that's you know, that, that I follow what God wants me to do. And so I called her. And when I was asking her for permission to do this, the first thing I did was say, so how are your work hours going? 
And then asked her, well, how many other people have asked you about that? And she said, zero. It's just not an easy thing for us to really help hold one another accountable. You know, I mean, was part of it is, in, in, in church, you just sort of get used to people uh, telling you different things, and you just sort of nod your head, and you say yes, and then you forget it by the time you walk out the, the door. That's probably not a good habit uh, either. But the other is that, you know, well, Am I going to heap guilt on her? You know, is this going to be uh, hard for her if I ask her these questions? You know, is this really going to be tough? And I, but she invited us to do that. That's part of the kingdom at work in us. That if we're if we're going to flip anything, then individually and corporately as the church, we've got to be flipped first. We we've got to present and live into the fullness of God's kingdom. For how in the world do we expect it to happen out in the world when it doesn't even happen in the church? To flip our communities, our cities, we in the church have to first be flipped. What is it in you and in us that God's saying, this has got to be flipped in you? What is it if you can relate to the disciples sitting in the boat and Jesus says, come, follow me, and they left everything? What is it that you really don't want to leave? I mean, in a sense, what is it you're holding back trying to sort of keep cover from Jesus' lordship, from him being the king, from him being the, the, the boss, him being the one you obey in your life? If we want the kingdom to come, then it starts first with us. Turn with me to Matthew 5, verse 13. Just a page over if you still got your Bibles open or you can you know, follow along on the screen as well. You are the salt of the earth. Now, a reminder to you again, you know, this, this you in, in, in real um, good American English should be translated y'all. I mean, it is in Greek, you know, I mean, there's the plural form of you that is obvious and we miss it. So when this, this is that y'all, that sense of, you know, you to speak some of your language. Y'all are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. See, the, the, we, we have to be flipped first. We've got to be different. We, we've got to have a different taste. A different effect on, on stuff. That's what salt is. It gives that taste. It gives that preservative flavor. But it, it's got something different about it. And if it loses that difference, then it is worthless in the mouth of Jesus. And I wonder if in the American church as a whole, part of the reason that the American church continues to decline in its influence is simply because it's lost its saltiness and really doesn't look any different than the world 
around it. But if, if we're going to be a part of, of the kingdom and to flip anything, then we, like the salt, must be different. Jesus goes on, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In both cases here, the salt and the light, they've got to get out. Salt does no good in the salt shaker and light does absolutely no good if it's under a cover. They've got to get out into the world. And in the world, they've got to be different. And if they're, they're not out, then again, they are useless. Not serving the purpose that God has given to them. They, it can't be that the, the church sort of wants to have influence on the world from afar. Now, I'm as big a believer as almost anybody in the power and the necessity of God's people to pray, but we can't just pray. We are called to be in the world, to let the light shine, to let the salt get out of the salt shaker, into the world that's around the, the church. Somebody was telling me the other day that there was a church they know of that when people started giving of their time and energy more than 10 hours to the church and they put them on the payroll. And I thought, you know, I think maybe I want to do the opposite. If folks start giving 10 hours to the church, I want to say, you know, you need to cut that in half and give that other five hours out there. Because the salt needs to get out of the salt shaker as well. The light needs to shine out there, not just in here. And did you know what happens, though? When the light shines, it gives light to all that are in the house, to everybody that's around. And as we'll see in just a passage a little bit later, it is it, when the light shines because of the kingdom of God at work in God's people, then it is a blessing to the world. It is a blessing to all that are around. And it brings glory to God. So Jesus says when, when, when his people are, are living according to his kingdom, then their light shines and it brings light to all the house and they, all that are in the house. And people see the good works of God's people and they give glory to God. That is the kingdom coming in our midst. Now, a couple um, weeks ago, sometime last month, we had a congregational meeting. And at that congregational meeting, had a number of folks, uh, Maggie and Andrew, came up and, and told you about a, a work that we think God is leading us to do to partner with Pleasant Hill School in our community. Because Pleasant Hill School, according to all the, the state um, requirements, you know, it's just the school just down the street and around the corner in, in College Hill um, and Pleasant Hill Academy. And in every state uh, um, testing, uh, the school is failing. And we, we said, you know, that's just wrong. They're, they're our neighbor. 
And we're told by Jesus that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. So if they're our neighbor, then we need to love them like we love ourselves. We need to love them like we love our children that we love. We need to, to love Pleasant Hill School so much so that it doesn't fail, but that it excels. How do we do that? I mean, it seems like a rather clear, blatant example of loving our neighbor. And, and, and so what we said we would do is we take the, the ministries of WizKids, take the ministries of Treehouse, and we would move them from the, the, the church building and send, we'll have them at the school. We'll get out of the salt shaker. And the principal invited us in and, and with Christ's community and other churches and said, now, we, we want you to have a summer camp for the children. And we'll have summer school for part of June, but then we need a camp for June and, and July. And we're going to have that at Pleasant Hill School. We're, we're not, we've, we've had it in our history. We've had it here. But we're not going to have it here. We want to have it there. And, and then with the, the, the principal there and then the librarian and some other folks, we said, all right, well, you know, we're, so we're walking with you. We're partnering with you to, to serve and to love ever we, we can from kindergarten to sixth grade. What about before kindergarten? And, and so now a, a team has been put together called the readiness team. And they're working with three C's. And again, working with Miss Shauna, the principal, and Miss Arnice, the librarian there at the library, and saying, you know, how do we come alongside families in our community, children in our community from the womb to kindergarten. If any of that catches your fancy, if you're getting a sense of, yeah, that's how the Lord wants to lead you to be a part of getting out of the salt shaker, seeking God's kingdom, you know, talk to Andrew, talk to Maggie, uh, talk to Janet Dumford, talk to Kathy Lowe, talk to Colleen Scheid. All who are participating and others in this, this movement of care from the womb to sixth grade for the children in our neighborhood. A way of seeking the kingdom to live out the kingdom in our midst. And we hope and pray to flip a school so that one day we stand here and we tell you of the straight A's that they're making instead of the straight F's. Maybe something else in your own life that you want to see flipped. It may be your marriage, it may be your, your work, it, it may be your, your own neighborhood, it may be your, your street. It, what is that that God has placed on your heart that he's called you to take the lampshade off and let your light shine? That he's told you, called you to shake it out and you get in the midst of it. Finally, Matthew 13, uh, starting with verse 31, which, which may be the, the, the 
really seminal passage for this, uh, this series of the kingdom come. It's uh, on page two, or 795 in your pew Bible, Matthew 13, 31 through 33. Jesus is speaking. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it had grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. If you want to be a part of the kingdom, you want to see something flipped, first and foremost, we've got to be flipped ourselves for Jesus. We've got to be flipped out for Jesus, personally and as a community. We've got to then you know, get out of the salt shaker. We've got to get into the midst of what we're seeking God to flip. And then finally, we've got to get started. Just Got to get started somewhere. Start small and then don't give up. I mean, Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Like these little bitty seeds. They're mustard seeds. Like this little bit of yeast. So they're, so they're little bitty. And they, they start small, but then they get immersed in the ground. Or they get immersed into the dough. And, and when they're in the middle of that, it's an interesting uh, little piece. One of them, the, the seed has to die and then be transformed, but, but the yeast stays alive and has its impact and effect. Both of them, small, in the midst, and then as they refuse to give up but follow the ways of Jesus, then they have their effect until you reach a tipping point and the whole thing gets flipped. And all the dough becomes leavened. Just from a little yeast that is, that is put in it. And just from that, that little seed, a bush becomes a tree. And all the birds of the air are able to land in that tree and enjoy its provision. It blesses the world. As I thought of this, this last picture, I thought of... Just one who is a hero of this particular church who really flipped it a couple times. Some ways good, some ways maybe not so good. But I thought about Karen Lane. She, she was one who was a waitress up the street, member of this church for decades, waitress up the street, and God planted a seed in her of the ministry that we call Feast of Love. In Feast of, of Love, this is you know, decades ago, that she came before the church and said, this is a, a vision that God has given to, for me to, to be a part and for us to be a part of feeding people in our neighborhood and community that one, maybe won't have food, but two, wouldn't have somebody to eat with. And so... On Thursday, and as the case has been for decades, they'll be, we'll be here serving food, taking food to folks, doing the same thing at Christmas and the same thing at Easter. 
And that, that little bit of yeast that started with one meal now has, has moved into a, a camp s'more that, that takes children to, to camp to, to teach them what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad, to, to teach them about personal, individual character. Uh, ministry now has uh, um, expanded to, to provide fans for those that are hot during the summer, to provide warm clothes for those that are cold during the winter, to take furniture and distribute it to those that are in need. One who was a simple woman, not one that, that had you know, any great gifts and abilities that the world might trumpet, but simply one who saw herself as yeast being kneaded into the dough by the hands of the, the great baker. And she refused to give up until his kingdom was at work in that way. For the kingdom to come in our midst in some way, in little pieces, it first has to start with us, individually and corporately. And then it means, as, as God plants that seed in us, then, then we've got to get out of the salt shaker into the midst of the world. But we, can't, we can't play. We've got to be in the world, but not of it. But we can't play in our Christian ghettos, in our, our, our Christian enclaves, in our Christian gated communities. We've got to get out into the world. And then when we're into it, we give, we start somewhere, and we refuse to give up. It's just the little mustard seed or the little specks of yeast that leaven the whole dough. Amen.